Without moving his head, he turned his eyes left to catch the movement. Well, what's this? A rare visitor? Are you alive? A figure entered. It felt feminine. What is that in your hand? Her face inquired. He said, You have no fear on this forlorn trail? Her presence was an unnatural occurrence. Well, that's fine, he changed his mind as the old desire returned. Another bowl, perhaps. His hallucinations phantasms were generally harmless, but he pulled away, and to his surprise, his visitor edged herself closer. She paused and inhaled the aroma from the pouch. Oh, it's the best in Glendary, and I'm sure in the world, if a man could search that far, he babbled. His delirium flowed in and out, like a changing tide reshaping his assumption that the intolerable vision was not a danger. Though keenly conscious, he floated high on the drug's deception. His craving recklessly drove him onward. He repacked another bowl and deeply inhaled the smoke. His legs jerked so strongly he thought they would fly off his body, and he fought an overwhelming urge to smash the brains of his visitor to eliminate the apparition and move forward with his high. The agitation from the second dose would worsen until the drug sufficiently heightened his peripheral thinking. He took another long drag off the pipe and blew. Finally, he arrived. He could see her without opening his eyes. If you're going to locate yourself here, he griped, I'd better introduce my comrades and myself. My name's Randall from Glendary. And there's talking, of course, Dinky, he said, chatty from the narcotics effect. The burrow beast, disturbed in his repose, bellowed his offense at Randall's muttering. Aye, and there goes the no-good troublemaker. He has complained ever since we left home. The name Dinky was quite inappropriate for its owner, for the animal weighed twice a camel's mass. The burrow beast belonged to Randall's father and was on loan quite against the beast's will. Ox-like, with dull gray flanks and a flat black ridge, Dinky was slightly wider than tall. Thus, one rode on him side-saddle and sometimes, on flatter runs, cross-legged. His most attractive feature was his large, roundish, floppy ears, black as the night, chiefly used to communicate his distemper by swinging them starchily to and fro. Randall had grown up with the aging animal, but there was only one master for each burrow beast, and it wasn't Randall. After his introduction, Randall closely reevaluated his visitor. Each night, a different one appeared. Some wore frightening faces. Still others were excessively polite or even timid. Others came as animals, randomly altering form. Tonight's guest appeared as a small, human-like woman with terrific claws, such as for digging, and nondescript ears. Her round, black-as-oil eyes were situated as would a woman's beneath sumptuously black paisley eyebrows. Shoeless feet supported her frame, silhouetted by her long, sable cloak-like hair. Randall noticed flecks of gold in the highlights. While Randall liked her peaceful demeanor, he was uncertain he could trust those claws. Was she a cordial creature by instinct? He mused over his assumptions, lit his third bowl, and went euphoric. He asked, What name do you wish? Randall titled his visions as a sort of fairy tale game. He eyed the road and forgot he had asked. 
You remind me of the road ghost, he rambled. An unusual feature of the Tisri Trail was the arrangement of erect oblong boulders which lined the road to the pass. On reaching the first level of the trail, at the trail's true head, Randall recognized the man-shaped boulders, lined up shoulder to shoulder. Glindery Lore described how crews carved faces in the stones over untold days. A few remained untouched from the harsh ice and rain. Early on his trek, Randall frequently stopped to study the outlines of those long dead. The familiar features of several, Randall noted, were bothersome, but he could not place where he had seen them before. And Glendary, my home, Randall remarked to his ghost, the Tisri Trail is a month's journey away, yet everyone knows the tales about the army that lines the path into the Jamdor Range. My village decorates buildings and homes with beautiful carvings, wood and stone, of these soldiers. When I was a child, he expounded, my uncles Jake and Bunshan told dark stories of wizards who concealed themselves in the mountain pass and conjured the frozen armies. With their stone eyes and ears, they waited for the wandering children. We were not exceptionally bad, mind you, but when we were, my uncle spoke of the lifeless figures marching from the mountains to seize us with their unforgiving and stony arms. Never to be seen again, my uncle said, which usually sent us shivering to bed, even in the middle of summer. Randall jested. Though his stories had only begun, Randall's energy lagged, overcome by the drug. Speech taxed him. His memories, however, poured as water from an open spigot. Specifically, Randall remembered his home, where he and other children listened to the town storyteller, Stephen Tagla. One of Tagla's fables had no end in popularity among his mates.